Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome into the flagship podcast, everybody. I am Chip Brown, joined by our fearless leader at Horns 24-7, the managing editor, Taylor Estes. Taylor, I mean, we are counting down to Christmas. How you doing? I'm doing good, Chip. How about you? Hey, I mean, it's been a wild and woolly December, and uh, it's only December 9th. And we mentioned that today because it's, um, well, there's a lot going on. There's been a lot going on with um, <laughs> away from football with uh, the, the big money guys and the UT administration. We'll get into that. But there's also been a lot going on this week with the Texas football team testing positive for COVID-19, three players and two staffers when they those three uh, players and two staffers all tested negative on Friday, then went on the trip to K-State. And of course, Texas won that game. But when they came back on Sunday, those uh, three players and two staffers tested positive for COVID-19 and team activities were suspended Monday, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. And then it's Wednesday and the team is... Um, Basically, the school announced they're having limited team outdoor activities. That is a walkthrough practice on Wednesday, Taylor. So it is touch and go as to whether Texas is actually going to play Kansas this week in Lawrence and or it could possibly be postponed until the 19th. And so we've we've got a We've still got the flagship podcast for you. We may not spend a whole bunch of time on Kansas. We will, however, uh, get to your questions. So, Taylor, I know um, you know it's been a it's been a crazy week, but we do have a great offer going on right now for people to join the Horns twenty four seven family. No time like the present. We've been all over um, the coaching aspect, the, the COVID-19 testing. So everybody needs to get on board, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we're running starting today, actually Wednesday through next Wednesday, which is uh, early signing period for football. We are running a national signing day uh, deal for Horns 24-7 annual members. New members who sign up will get 60% off of their first year of Horns 24-7 VIP Texas Scoop. And Chip, as you mentioned, you know, um, I, I'm going to promote you a little bit here because Chip has been so far ahead of the game, ahead of the competition throughout this coaching situation, throughout the Urban Meyer situation. You know, you you stuck to your guns. We focused on quality, not quantity, and you ended up being right throughout the whole thing. So this is why you want to become a Horns 24-7 member. I mean, there's no time like the present, plus you're getting it for 60% off. I believe that makes it only $358 a month for your first year of VIP Texas Insider Scoop. Plus, with Less than a latte. 
Yes, exactly. And plus with signing day coming up, you know, our, our uh, tag team duo of Mike Roach and Nick Harris are the best in the business. You know, we're one of the few sites that have multiple recruiting insiders. Plus, we also have the team of 24-7 Sports National insiders covering recruiting, too. So um, there's no time like the present to join uh, the Horns 24-7 family. So make sure you go on over there. Yeah, it's um, it's an active time right now. A lot of people uh, can't. They're just hitting P5 over and over again, Taylor, <laughs> because there's so much going on right now. And that's um, we'll we'll get to. Uh, the coaching situation here in a second, but um, the COVID-19 situation is a scary one because when you find out that the three players and two staffers who tested positive on Sunday were all on the trip with the team, this is what happened to Baylor. When Baylor went to West Virginia earlier in the year, they had uh, players and staffers who had tested negative on Friday ended up making the trip, and then they ended up with 24 players testing positive, and they had to have their Oklahoma State game moved from October to this Saturday. That's why Baylor and Oklahoma State are playing this this weekend. And Baylor had to shut down team activities from October 7th through the 16th. Um, and that that's... That's a long stretch. Obviously, there was a bye week in there, and then they they played Texas. Right, coming off of all that uh, suspended team activity, so t- that we're up against it. Obviously, we're here at the end of the regular season, and so uh, Texas had the the three uh, players, two staffers, test positive on Sunday. Then they had negative tests on on Monday, from what sources told me, and then. They had uh, two players and a staffer test positive on Tuesday, and then uh, three more players test positive today, Wednesday. So that's not a good trend. And if it continues in that direction, this this game against Kansas Saturday, and, and that has been moved from 2.30 to 3 o'clock. It was going to be on ESPNU. Now it's going to be on ESPN2 if it's played. So make that note in your uh, phones. but. It's a walkthrough practice Wednesday. And Taylor, I was told if, if practice had been canceled Wednesday, that would have left just Thursday and Friday to prepare. And that probably would have caused Texas to, to push this game um, or go to the commissioner and see if they could push the game until the 19th. So that's how, that's how thin the line is right now for this for this Texas-Kansas game because of the COVID-19 situation. And Texas had not had COVID-19 issues all season. Yeah, I was just going to say that. You know, Texas, when the players came back in June um, after the entire shutdown from the university, you know, they had that initial wave. And from what you and I had heard, it was a significant number of players and uh, that came back to campus, had tested positive. Um, however, that almost has worked in the Longhorns' benefit a little bit, as bad as that sounds. You know, I'm not trying to disregard the potential health concerns for some people with the the current virus, but you know, that has kind of helped Texas throughout the year because they haven't had those hiccups. And now, ironically, you know, when uh, when Texas is about to wrap up the regular season, they're getting some of these. So I'm I'm kind of you know curious of how many players 
overall, I mean, we don't, we never were given a full blown number of the initial positives um, after, you know, players started reporting back to campus. However, you know, how many other players haven't had it, I think is more of the question because of how substantial that number was back in June. Yeah, I was told over half the team had uh, COVID-19 and, and so, you know, that herd immunity or whatever they call it may have helped, as you said, may have helped Texas avoid players um, having a, a second bout of COVID-19, which typically, well, let's just put it this way. When you test positive for COVID-19, you don't get tested again for 90 days. Right. So they're relying on the medical science there that you have at least temporary immunity for three months. Mm-hmm. And, and so now here we are in this, right. uh, we're in December and Texas is, is dealing with this. Get over to Horns 24-7 for the latest. We will definitely keep you updated. But Taylor, we uh, posed some questions to our members at Horns 24-7. And uh, so we figured, okay, we'll talk about what you want us to talk about. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's what we're going to do before we get to everybody's favorite part of the show, love it or leave it. So Taylor, what, yeah. uh, what do we got? Well, um, yeah, you're right, Chip. You know, we didn't want to spend a ton of time on Kansas. That's no, you know, offense to Kansas or anything along those lines. It's just more a matter of, you know, what's the point of doing a preview if the game gets canceled. So we posed these questions and we picked uh, six of the, you know, multiple that came in. And we appreciate everybody chiming in on that thread. And we won't avoid the rest of those questions. We will get to them probably in another episode of the flagship podcast, the ones that are still relevant. But I'm going to start off with this one, Chip. This is from uh, Horns 24-7 member Den12. And I'm going to have you handle this one. But do you personally feel that Herman is retained after Urban Meyer told Texas no? I, I think that's where we're headed. I do. Um, I think that when this flirtation with Urban Meyer started in October, it, it happened after the losses to TCU in Oklahoma. And if you read Chris Hummer's story, uh, Chris Hummer, national college football writer for 24-7 Sports, did a great job getting um, using open records to get some of the emails from from donors to Jay Hartzell, the school president, and Chris Del Conte, the athletic director. And you could just, you could feel the heat coming off of those emails with how disgusted those folks were. And, and Taylor, as we've said before, they were, as, they were more upset about the team not standing together for the eyes of Texas as they were about the poor play on the field. Right. And, and that's really where the UT administration, I think, became empowered uh, to at least talk to Urban Meyer, see if there's look under the hood, as Urban Meyer always says, uh, to see if he might have interest in coming back to coaching in the college game because they were frustrated with Tom Herman and his inability to get his team to stand for the eyes of Texas when Soccer and volleyball were doing so, and Chris Del Conte had made it clear to all the coaches in their weekly coaches meetings that it was going to be expected that the teams stand together so that it doesn't give the appearance that they're divided. Right. And we've, we've talked about this ad nauseum. Tom Herman addressed it. And, and that's where this thing started, make no mistake. And, and, and the flirtation continued, obviously, 
um, on into uh, deep into the season, deep until last weekend, basically, when Urban Meyer indicated to um, Texas officials that he's not looking to get back into the college game at this time. He, he's he got his health issues. And he did talk about the, the you know, the different atmosphere, the student empowered atmosphere, the transfer portal, the the one-time transfer rule that's likely to be enacted starting in 2021, that maybe it's a different climate uh, than when he started building the national championship culture at Florida and Ohio State. So Texas officials, I, I think, are leaning toward bringing Tom Herman back because it's a $25 million buyout, uh, $15 million for Herman's contract, $9.6 million for his staff to then gamble on, on reeling in another coach. Could you get a Dan Mullen or a Brian Kelly who are having great seasons at their current schools? Would those two even listen? And if you get caught trying to talk to them and they say no, and suddenly it's, oh, Texas is being turned down by this guy and that guy, or do you gamble on a Matt Campbell or a James Franklin. And I just think that when it comes to a $25 million gamble right now, I think UT administrators are saying, look, we, we did our due diligence. We listened to our constituents. They wanted us to go talk to Urban Meyer. We did. And that's that. And so I think that's how they look at it. And I think you'll hear something from Texas after the season ends against Kansas, whenever, <laughs> whenever that game is played and, and everyone will know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So the uh, answer to that question is yes, I do think w- things are pointing towards Tom Herman returning in 21. Yeah. You know, it's kind of interesting, Chip, because um, in 2016, I got an open records request on some of the fan emails that were coming in for Charlie Strong to be fired. And I'm actually pulled them up right here. And these were emails to uh, both the former AD Mike Perrin and the current or the former uh, UT president, Greg, Greg Fendez. And it's funny because I'll just read you this one here real quick, because this is just like ironic of how quickly it can happen where you lose a fan base. And so this is from Monday, October 3rd, 2016, that was sent And uh, this person goes, speaking for donors in our fan base, we'd suffered long enough with a program that is trending downward in too many key metrics. Even the players' comments suggest that they've lost confidence in this coaching staff. Please make it happen and bring in Tom Herman. I think you'll find his resume speaks for itself. And if I may, may, strategically speaking, it is not necessarily to fire Charlie Strong midseason, but it is necessary to secure Tom Herman as soon as possible given the number of quality programs looking to fill their head coaching vacancies. You know, this was just four, a little over four years ago that these, and like, I'm, you know, going through these, I mean, there's 73 pages of the open records requests that I got for this one back in 2016. And Tom Herman's name is mentioned in quite a few. I mean, I'm only to page eight now. And uh, there's been four different fans that have mentioned Tom Herman specifically, but it just- What month, does it say what month that is in 20? October, uh, it looks like all of them are around between October 1st through October like 6th okay. of 2016. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's 
um, it's interesting to kind of see how the tables have turned. You know, Charlie Strong was fired because of the problems on the field. Now Tom Herman's job is, you know, kind of in the air or his, you know, at least job security is not necessarily there for the future because of his problems off the field. So at some point you just wonder, you know, I don't know which one's worse, um, but, you know, this is just, it just goes to show, I think, the pressures that come with um, being the head coach at the University of Texas. And that also puts the pressure on the athletic director and the university president because, you know, as you mentioned, $25 million in a global pandemic, that's a lot to buy out, you know, especially with the loss that the university athletic department is taking this year. So, you know, Tom's under contract for what, three more seasons or two more seasons? Three more. Three more, yeah. So I don't think, you know, I think he would have to prove himself, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if, if he is retained next year um, when that buyout gets a little bit less. But, you know, this is this is a tough situation for the athletic director, too, and the president. For sure. For sure. For sure. Because the athletic director couldn't have uh, embarked on that uh, venture flirtation with Urban Meyer without the blessing of his higher ups. In fact, it was driven by the higher ups. Right. So there's no doubt Chris Del Conte is in a, in a tight spot because everyone's now looking at him as having failed to reel in Urban Meyer. And they're, they're tired of Tom Herman. And, and yet he's you know, got this $25 million situation. It'll, it would almost be irresponsible to continue on with a search or firing Tom Herman and then beginning a search when you're not sure exactly who the next guy is. You don't let go of a guy until you have the next guy. Right. And that is 101 in, in the world of athletic directordom. And Texas made that mistake in 2013 and it, it turned into a mess and it didn't work out. And Chris Del Conte has said, hey, we can't get the reputation of being the school that just goes shoot, ready, aim every three years with football program. So um, Taylor, we'll move on to the next question. All right, Chip. So this is from Horns 24-7 member, Mr. Meisner or Misner. I'm sorry if I butchered that. But um, Mr. Meisner asked, Please comment on every positive attribute slash reason for keeping Coach Herman for the next three years. For the next three years, I don't know that I can do that. <laughs> I, I think I think if you're look, if you're if you're going glass half full here on Tom Herman, and I've never I'll admit, I've never seen um, a fan base in a you know, the donors and the administration turn on a coach as quickly as, as we saw on Tom Herman in October after that OU game and the, the team, you know, Sam Ellinger being photographed basically alone on the field, singing the eyes of Texas, that, that turned everybody. It, 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 it's amazing. And, and remember, this is a coach who, and, we, we mentioned that just a few minutes ago. So that, that issue ended up being resolved by Chris Del Conte, who went and spoke to the team after the OU game and stressed the importance of the team standing together so that 
the players don't have to answer questions about possibly being divided. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's been resolved. Now, we're supposed to get the report um, from Jay Hartzell, um, supposedly around the new year or right before the end of the year um, from the committee that's looking into the origins of the eyes of Texas and how Texas will own those origins and, uh, and then celebrate the eyes, of, continue to celebrate the eyes of Texas as uh, the school song. So um, we think the eyes of Texas troubles are behind the football team. And, and so let's just look at the football and it was really bad early and then it got better. They did improve on defense. They did improve on special teams from the horrible mistakes they were making earlier in the year. And Taylor, we talked a little bit about this um, in the uh, flagship podcast reacts. If you, if you miss that, we, we do a podcast uh, the day after games and react to what we saw. And there were a lot of young players on the field making plays in that Kansas State game. Bijan Robinson had a, a huge day. And, you know, Jaron Thompson had an interception, almost had another redshirt freshman. David Benda had an interception in the game. Uh, you had Jalen Ford with seven tackles. You had Jordan Whittington, a redshirt freshman, making plays in that game, a 15-yard reverse for a touchdown. And, and so there's talent on the roster. Um, I get recruiting is is not where it's been. And you had four-star quarterback Jalen Milrow uh, in that 2021 class decommit shortly after Quinn Ewers, the five-star quarterback in 2022, committed to Texas. And now he's no longer committed to Texas. So that's a concern. But you do have, um, you know, if Sam Ellinger decides to move on to the NFL draft, you have Casey Thompson, you have Hudson Card, you have Jaquindon Jackson all in the quarterback room now with a full offseason to work with Mike Yersich. And, and Mike Yersich gave out some praise to those quarterbacks and said that, you know, we got guys we can win with in here. So, um, you know, from a glass half full standpoint, and the other thing too is you had seven new coaches come in and a month later, a global pandemic is declared and they can't go on the road recruiting. They can't bond with their team during spring football. They can't bond during summer conditioning. And, and so even though Tom Herman, you know, reminded us of that, it is true. So do you get a better product um, if you have a full off season and players can bond and, pl- and coaches hopefully ultimately will be able to go out on the road recruiting and, develop face-to-face relationships uh, to, to certainly, um, you know, get after that 22 class that uh, will be crucial. Because if you look at this year, Texas's class is ranked 17th. It's not a top 10 class. If you're thinking, uh-oh, we're backsliding, then 22 becomes absolutely critical in terms of stopping the negative momentum, the negative recruiting, because schools are going to use the negative recruiting more than ever now that Urban Meyer's been courted. And, and so these, these coaches are going to have to earn every dollar of those nice salaries that they got from Texas, including Tom Herman, to 
overcome all this adversity and and sell the the high points of hey come to texas we got great young players we're going to win big in the next you know two to three years and you're going to be part of it so yeah well that's going to be a hard thing to overcome though the negative recruiting from other programs because i mean uh, you know assuming that texas holds on to tom herman you know every single recruiter out there is going to be like, he's not going to be there. I mean, they were trying to get rid of him midseason, and then they couldn't get their number one guy. Like, that's what the state of the program is. Whether it's true or not, that's exactly what's going to happen. I mean, negative recruiting has, is not a new thing. You know, it's never been a new thing. It's been happening even before recruiting sites like 24-7 existed. I mean, this is nothing new. And and I agree with you. I do think that the the one excuse that I was okay with Tom Herman mentioning is the fact that it's been difficult on the assistant coaches to develop those in-person relationships because a lot of these coaches that came here, you know, a lot of them weren't from the state of Texas. It's not, it was a little bit different when Tom Herman came in in 2017 with his staff because all of those coaches had relationships already developed with high school coaches, with recruits that they were recruiting in Houston. And many of those coaches had only coached in the state of Texas prior to joining um, Tom Herman's initial staff back in 2016, 2017 for the 2017 season. But, you know, that's just the opposite situation now. You know, I think, Chip, the one, you know, the one thing I just, it's hard for me to go back to is, you know, we're talking about them improving. And yes, Texas played such a better game against Kansas State. It was a much better product especially offensively. I mean, anytime that you can put up 69 points, almost 70 points on a conference opponent, that's a, that's a good day in the office, you know, but you go especially back. Especially in Manhattan where they've been, right. you know, it's been like the, the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, but then you go back to the week prior and Texas led for, what was it, 58 minutes and 35 seconds against Iowa State and then lose that game. I mean, that's hard to to think about, you know, it really is. I mean, yes, it's, it's good that they've taken steps since then, but that loss cost Texas a chance to play for a big 12 title. And they had, you know, the momentum, they had the game in their grasp the entire time. And it took one minute and 25 seconds for Iowa state to just completely change everything, blow up, you know, their chances, everything. So I, I mean, I, I do think that there are some positives definitely with Tom Herman's staff. And uh, they had done a pre, you know, the um, Herman and his previous staff had done a really good job recruiting, um, you know, signing, what was it, back to back top 10 um, three, three straight. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that that's huge. You know, that's a that's a big deal. And so I think that helps Texas right now. And I think that will help them for the future um, if Tom Herman does stick around. But I'm not sure that I agree with you. I'm not sure I'd say I'm give them three years. You know why you should keep them for three years. Right. And I, I wouldn't say that either. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's, it's right now we're, we're, we're talking about right now. And, right. and, and look, Tom Herman's got one season. He's coaching for his job every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we saw in this, when, you know, the reaction to the post game of the OU game, I mean, yeah. it took that moment for some of the biggest money donors at the school to say, that's it. And, and go, we need to go talk to urban Meyer. So, right. Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, I'm with you. It's not the next three years. It's right now. And how can Tom Herman try to get this thing going in the right direction? Yes, no doubt. All right. So uh, we have a couple more quick hitter questions for you, Chip. This one's from Nola Dixie Beer. And they asked, 
has Nick Saban been contacted? <laughs> <laughs> of course, no. this had to come, right? <laughs> yeah, no. But his uh, offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, Texas, has certainly researched. So in the process of this, this flirtation with Urban Meyer, um, they did research other coaches. And, and Steve Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator at Alabama, was one of those coaches, not Nick Saban. So Nick Saban has not been contacted. I mean, Saban's what, like 68 or 69 years old? I mean, he he doesn't look it, obviously, um, but I mean, he's around the same age. I think he and Mac Brown are only a few months apart in age. I, you know, Texas didn't get him in 2013. It would be hard to see Saban going anywhere else at this point of his career. <laughs> and why would he? I mean, my goodness. Right, right. Um, all right. So my next one from you is from Polly Dreamer. And Polly asked, what is Tom Herman's biggest regular season moment in the past four years? Hmm. I mean, the first thing, and by the way, Nick Saban is 69. Um, the first thing that pops into my mind is the OU win in 2018. I mean, if we're talking regular season, yes. then that was, well, it was a game that Texas dominated through three quarters had a 21 point lead and and then ended up having to have Sam Ellinger drive the length of the field to set up that game-winning 40-yard field goal by Cameron Dicker and I thought it was one of the best called games offensively that of the Tom Herman era at Texas and Sam Ellinger was so efficient and so good in that game he had five touchdowns in that game two passing three rushing I, I think that was the high point because it was a well-played game. Texas executed well in the game. They were the more physical team. And I think that was the, the high point. Mm -hmm. Would you say, Taylor? I agree. For a regular season, absolutely. You know, I think that definitely was. And, I mean, it was, you know, a shootout at the end. Great uh, reason why that game should be called the Red River Shootout and not <laughs> – the rivalry or showdown or whatever the PC crowd Thank like you. to be now. But um, yeah, I mean, like that was a, a talented Oklahoma team. Let's, let's, you know, give credit where credit was due. There was a Heisman trophy winner in Kyler Murray, who is an electric player. And I'll admit, like, I, I always thought Kyler Murray would be a really good college quarterback. I didn't think he would be very successful in the NFL. Now he's still pretty young in the NFL, but he's been, money, you know, for the Arizona Cardinals with Cliff Kingsbury um, running that offense. But yeah, I mean, that was with yeah, C.D. Lamb. Yeah, C.D. Lamb. Lamb. I mean, the the talent on that Oklahoma team. You Hollywood Brown, who's also a starter now for the Ravens. Mm -hmm. You can't overlook the talent that was on that Oklahoma team. So I completely agree. I think that the regular, the, the number one shining moment from uh, the regular season under Tom Herman was that. Now, if Texas could have beaten LSU last year, that would have been you know, my choice, but, um, otherwise third and, third and 17, third and 17, crazy, crazy Joe Burrow to Justin Jefferson. <laughs> well, and let's not forget the, you know, points left on the board by trying to go for it on fourth and short instead of taking field goals, but let's not rehash the past. <laughs> oh, and oh. the ball that slipped through Keontae Ingram's fingers, oh. but oh, yeah. all right. All right. We digress. 
So the next one here I have for you is uh, from SoCalHorn88. And he, or SoCalHorn, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say he because it could be a she, uh, is asking, what's the next football facility that needs to see an upgrade? Well, that is the indoor practice facility. So many jokes about that bubble <laughs> that, that has been there almost since the beginning of the Mac Brown era. Mm-hmm. And it is just the saddest looking bubble you'll ever see. Now, um, I think that is absolutely on the plan for um, Chris Del Conte after the 700 million in facility upgrades that are underway right now. Most of them are completed, actually. The South End Zone, the $200 million South End Zone project will be done in August of 21. And then the basketball arena, the Moody Center, and the $60 million practice facility will be the next things to be completed. And once they're completed, I'm told in early 22, then I think the focus would turn to the indoor practice facility uh, for football. I think that they need selfishly need to upgrade that press box. I mean, come on, <laughs> that press box is straight it's out of the small. 70s. It's so yeah. small. It is. I mean, it's, it's almost shocking. I think if, if fans went up to the press box and saw what it looked like, they'd be like, whoa, like, I mean, you know, we're stacked on top of each other and you know, I digress. That's selfish, but yeah, I, the bubble is, I'll never forget one time. I think it was last year we went in there for interviews or something like that. And I was going to leave the, the spinning door thing. And I guess somebody had opened another door. And so if two doors are open, they, that spinning door stops because of the pressure or whatever for the bubble thing. So I got stuck in the spinning door. And I, I mean, it was for like two seconds maybe, but I literally came out of there. I was like, y'all are lucky. I was about to lose it because I get so claustrophobic that I was like ready to like start pounding down the door. But yeah, oh. I agree that the practice facility, the indoor one definitely needs some work. So yeah. Um, yeah. All right. I got a final, final question for you, Chip, and it's a little bit of an off topic one, but it, it's relevant in the state of Texas. Um, and Texans will like this one. So this is from Kay Welling or Quelling. I'm not sure exactly how uh, you say it, but they're asking with an off topic question, what's your go-to breakfast taco? Oh, I gotta, I gotta have a little, uh, I got to have a little brisket in there. I got to have a little brisket or steak. I'm such a carnivore. Mm -hmm. Um, I might even throw a little bacon in there with the steak. Oh. And then I got to have some great, I mean, obviously eggs, cheese, and then some great salsa. So a really low cholesterol taco. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. Bacon, brisket, cheese, eggs. Yeah, I got you. Um, I'm How about plain. you? I'm plain. I, I'm more of a go-to uh, potato, egg, and cheese with some good salsa. There's actually this place in California, Breakfast Burrito, where I'm from. Uh, breakfast burritos are a big thing. I mean, there are breakfast tacos, but breakfast burritos are what a lot of Californians will uh, go to. And there's this little um, uh, Mexican joint that's like in a strip mall, and you would go up to it and probably be like, I'm not going to eat food there, but it's the best breakfast burrito ever. And it's just egg, um, Monterey Jack cheese, pico de gallo and bacon. And it sounds super, super basic, but oh my gosh. I mean, 
I kid you not, anytime I go back to California, usually if I fly in in the morning, if um, my parents decide to pick me up from the airport, they have a breakfast burrito waiting for me in the car because it is the best. But since I've been in Texas, potato, egg, and cheese is uh, kind of my go-to. Yeah. I uh, Thanks, Taylor. Now I'm starving. No, sorry about that. All right, Chip. Well, before we get to everybody's favorite segment, love it or leave it, we're going to take a very short break. But Texas fans and listeners will definitely want to stick around because we will come back and discuss some of the coaching names that have been thrown around in Longhorn land. So you definitely won't want to miss that. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Chip, you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's, uh, let's do some love it or leave it. All right. So um, if you're a Horns 24-7 member, you probably saw this, but Chip... I'll have him explain a little bit more, but you ran a survey this week, and uh, I'm going to ask you specifically starting with that one. So love it or leave it, you were surprised that UTSA head coach and former Texas assistant coach Jeff Trailer got the most votes in the survey you conducted on Horns 24-7 about who the next coach of the Longhorns should be if Urban Meyer is off the table. Yeah, I'm going to love this. I mean, I, I definitely was surprised that there was that much sentiment for Jeff Trailer, And I think there's, um, you know, he's been talked about as possibly Texas's version of Dabo Sweeney. Mm-hmm. You know, Dabo was a lovable, all energy guy at Clemson who, who fired his um, offensive coordinator, Billy Napier, who's now a head coaching candidate uh, out there for for Chad Morris and then and then got it going at Clemson obviously after having the term Clemsoning um you know he he knocked that out obviously with uh some national championships but um I was surprised I mean Jeff Trailer is a fascinating character because he's a three-time state champion high school coach and Gilmer has the stadium named after him there mm-hmm and was an assistant at Texas. Tom Herman could have kept him Should as, have, in my opinion, personally. as a receivers coach. Instead, he went and got Drew Maringer, who um, had been with Tom since they were at Rice together. And, and Jeff Trailer ended up joining um, Chad Morris's staff at SMU and then Arkansas, and then got the head coaching job at UTSA and took a 4-8 and eight team to a seven and four record this year and played BYU to a touchdown in Provo. Mm -hmm. So his team got better and their only losses were to teams with a winning record. There was no 
wowzer upset. His teams won. Um, I think they they beat um, four teams with a winning record, and one of them was Stephen F. Austin. I get that, uh, an FCS team. But bottom line is his team got better, and he's a guy who has he can recruit. He's a former high school coach in the state of Texas, and the guys, the high school coaches around the state, love the guy. So it'll be interesting to watch him progress because him already being in the UT system, he's going to be a familiar name to regents and, um, and at the presidential level, Mm -hmm. uh, because the regents approved his hire at UTSA and, and now we'll just continue to watch his progress. But he, he is talk about the antithesis of urban Meyer. I mean, urban Meyer, you're, you're paying for the trophies. He's already put in the trophy case, the fact that so many of our members at Horns 24-7 were willing to completely take a chance on uh, a young guy after just taking a chance on Tom Herman. But I, I feel like people know Jeff Trailer better than they know Tom Herman. And Tom Herman has never won over the Texas fan base from a personality standpoint. In fact, I've had people who were involved in the Urban Meyer search tell me he's a bad personality fit here. Mm-hmm. And I, I get it. Yeah, I get it. Um, I, I, from Tom Herman's side of it, I've been told he was told he wouldn't have to worry about boosters. Well, you still got to be good to people, right? Oh yeah. And players too. You know, he's had, yeah. um, a lot of players have left early when they shouldn't have left early cause they didn't want to coach or play for him. And that's, you know, the reality of the situation. He's not the type of guy that, you know, I mean, I, I saw in a thread on Horns 24-7, somebody um, commented about the player's love for Tom Herman, and they kind of compared it to Charlie Strong. And I was like, oh, hold on, y'all. I was like, I'm not trying to be negative here, but I would caution anybody from putting player respect and player love for their coach, putting Charlie Strong and Tom Herman in the same category because they could not be different. I mean, Charlie Strong came in and he took the padlocks off of the coaches' offices so and had an open-door policy, you know, with players welcoming them into the coaches' offices. Tom Herman has been known to walk past players in the facility and just totally ignore them when they say, hey, what's up? Um, I mean, Brew McCoy called Herman out on that. So that's a little insider thing. But when Tom Herman and Drew Maringer and Sam Hellinger even went and met with Brew McCoy after he wanted to transfer back to USC – I had somebody, a very, very good source on this, tell me that Bruce straight up said, you know, I I don't want to play for you because you can't even acknowledge me in the hallway. I say hi to you and you just walk right past me. So, I mean, this is, they're totally different characteristics. But the thing with Jeff Trailer is, as you mentioned, he has the utmost respect of all of the high school coaches in the state of Texas. He's a good old boy from East Texas. You know, everybody loves him. He's a great recruiter. And uh, it is interesting. I, I agree. I totally, I love this, that I was surprised by that. Um, however, you know, I think I sometimes, then I start thinking about it, you know, I've been kind of sitting there saying you need to hire, Texas needs to hire an established head coach with, you know, uh, skins on the wall and Jeff Trailer. you know, if you think about it, you're like, man, what if he brought in like Chad Morris as offense coordinator and throw, you know, millions at coordinators too. I mean, I think it could work actually. (laughs) Like when I started like going down that rabbit hole, 
but I also think I'm probably a little bit biased because, you know, my, my father-in-law was a longtime Texas high school football coach. He actually coached as a head coach at Palestine against Jeff Trailer when he was the offensive coordinator at Jacksonville. And Chip, I told you this story before we uh, started recording, but I'll, I'll tell this to the members just so you can kind of get an idea of how coaches in the state of Texas feel about Trailer. So I mentioned it to my father-in-law today, like, you'll never believe whose name, like, we did a survey and Trailer's the one. And he was like, man, he is a good coach. And he's like, now, I'm not sure if Texas would do it, but don't let this fool you. Like, he, if you're talking about X's and O's, this guy is solid. And he goes, and recruiting speaks for itself. But then he told me a story about how um, when he was head coach at Palestine, he was would always, like, go against Jacksonville because they were in the same district. And the Jacksonville head coach at the time actually reached out to my father-in-law because my husband was in middle school at the point, and he was a middle school quarterback. And so the Jacksonville coach reached out to my father-in-law and said, hey, you definitely should come coach underneath me because your son needs to be coached by Jeff Trailer as a quarterback. And so that just kind of goes to show, yeah, the, the type of respect that he has in the state. But I was definitely surprised to see that. I mean, he had, what, more votes? What was his 72 votes? Tom 74. Herman? 74. And Tom Herman had 70. Yeah. The le- I mean, that was shocking, but. Dan yeah. Mullen had 39 in third place. Yeah. I mean, I think Trailer, he's definitely someone to watch. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. All right. So we're going to shift focus a little bit, actually, and talk about basketball since that's back on the uh, court now. So after the early starts by men's and women's basketball, you have hope that the Longhorns will make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Love it or leave it. First weekend of the NCAA tournament. First weekend, not first weekend, not first game. Okay. Um, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to split this. Um, I'm going to love it for the women, for Vic Schaefer and the women's team who played a really, really close game at home against number 12, Texas A&M, um, where Vic Schaefer helped win a national championship under Gary Blair before going on to become the head coach at Mississippi State and going to two national championship games in um, 17 and 18 and losing both, but beating UConn. That, that, was, the, that was Vic Schaefer's team that, that beat UConn and ended their um, ridiculous uh, streak of everything, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it for the men, and here's why: because even though I like the way Texas basketball has looked early on um, in beating Indiana, winning the Maui Invitational in Asheville, North Carolina, and even playing Villanova uh, to the final minute uh, at home you do realize that Shaka Smart has not won an NCAA tournament game since 2013 when he was at VCU. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll take an NCAA tournament win one (laughs) first before we start talking about getting out of the first weekend. And this is easily his best team. It is his most um, veteran team. He's got guards. He's got Matt Coleman, Courtney Ramey, Andrew Jones, he's got Greg Brown, the super freshman who's already uh, living up to the hype. And, and then he's got grinders coming in off the bench and, um, you know, Royce Ham and, and uh, my man Brock Cunningham from Westlake and, 
and Kai Jones, who I love. So I, I really love this Texas basketball team. I just worry that Shaka Smart is going to get the most out of it. And so I'm going to love it for the women because I think they're getting better by the second. And, and Vic Schaefer's got them. Man, they're playing with intensity. They're playing defense. They're diving for balls. Um, and, you know, Celeste Taylor, Charlie Collier, Vic Schaefer's basically called them All-Americans that no one knows about. So I, I love that. He's so positive and he just breathes confidence into those players in a way that I haven't quite seen yet from Shaka Smart, even though I'm impressed mm-hmm. with the start of the Texas men's team. Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm going to go opposite. Actually, I'm going to love it overall because I, I agree with you 100 percent about the women's basketball. I thought um, when Chris Del Conte was able to get Vic Schaefer from Mississippi State, I mean, that was huge. I mean, that was a huge hire. And I know, you know, unfortunately, women's sports don't get as much attention as men's sports. But Vic Schaefer's, I would, I would imagine he's probably considered one of the best women's basketball coaches in the sport for college basketball right now. Um, I would put him in that category. So I thought, I do think that, that he could really, you know, make a big impact at Texas. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I probably will regret this, sadly, because of, you know, fool me once. Shame on uh, you, fool me five times, shame on me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think that the talent at Texas is there. If, if this roster can stay healthy, I do see Texas making it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Um, I, I would say that they'll probably win a game, maybe, if this stays healthy. And again, of course, like, you know, this seems very similar to how Texas basketball teams have started in years past under Shaka Smart. And then they just hit a roadblock and, you know, tumble down uh, a cliff or tumble off a cliff, basically. But I can remember the question was out of the first weekend. I know. And I, so I'm going to say I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. This yeah. is going to be the yeah, I definitely think the first game and I'm going to Shaka. I called you Shaka the cat. I started that nickname for you because you have nine lives. Keep those lives going, buddy. I, I, I'm going to I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to say. They make it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. Okay. All right. Yeah. I hope you're right. Yeah. I, yeah. I hope, I hope those kids just keep on, on, uh, you know, building, building on the season. And shock is a, I mean, he's a great guy, you know, he's a, he's a guy that you want coaching young men. He's a, he's a guy that you want leading, you know, um, young men as they enter adulthood. You know, I mean, it's hard to root against Shaka because he's such a good guy. Um, unfortunately, it hasn't worked out for him perfectly at Texas, but I'm I'm going to say that I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. The cat, I got you here. <laughs> All right, so Chip, my final one for you. We're going to switch back to football, uh, some Big 12 football, actually. Love it or leave it, you think West Virginia has a chance to beat Oklahoma this weekend? You know, as much as I want to love this, I just, I look at Oklahoma and even though they didn't put Baylor away the way I thought that Oklahoma would uh, last week, they just don't lose games like this. They just have not lost games like this. And so I'm going to leave it. And I like Neil Brown. I like Neil Brown. I like what he's got going there. And West Virginia is undefeated at home this year. Mm-hmm. So let's just recap that real quickly because 
Um, and they're playing in Morgantown. They're playing in Morgantown, correct? And and so they beat they beat Baylor at home, um, and and then uh, they beat Kansas at home. Then they beat K State in Morgantown, thirty-seven to ten. That was the first big jolt against K State, uh, and then they beat TCU, uh, twenty-four to six in Morgantown, and and so. Those are the home games that they've won. They lost their last game to Iowa State, forty-two to six. That that was an ouch. Mm-hmm. And and I just you know Oklahoma just doesn't lose games like this. So um, to to Bob Stoops' credit and to Lincoln Riley's credit, and right now the Big Twelve championship game is is Oklahoma against Iowa State, and I think Oklahoma handles business in Morgantown, Taylor. Yeah, I I agree with you. Um, I'm going to leave it. Uh, you know, it'd be really, it would be shocking, honestly, to see what type of shakeup that would cause there <laughs> with, uh, if West Virginia could pull the upset. But Oklahoma, as of Wednesday, is a 14-point favorite on the road there. And, you know, as, as you mentioned, it's hard to count out Lincoln Riley at this point when it comes to crunch time. His teams usually rise to the, um, the occasion as long as it's not in the college football playoff, but <laughs> I'll die. I digress from that. But yeah, I, I agree. I think, I think Oklahoma has only been getting better. Um, you know, I, I, if I, if, you know, Texas had a chance to beat Oklahoma, uh, had they taken care of business and not, you know, shot themselves in the foot down the stretch of that game. Um, but this is an Oklahoma team that in my opinion is far improved than it was when Texas played them back on what October 10th. Um, so yeah, yeah. And they added Oklahoma added Ramondre Stevenson uh, at running back, who's been a, a monster, and Ronnie Perkins on the defensive line, who's made all kinds of plays. And they've both been Big Twelve Player of the Week since since they returned from suspension. Yeah, and they did not play um, in the Texas game, I don't believe. So correct. Yeah, I think uh, this is an Oklahoma team that I wouldn't really want to mess with, but. And I, I kind of want to see them win because I want to see I, Iowa State and Oklahoma rematch in the Big 12 championship game. Um, I think that that will be a really good matchup. Both of those teams are playing the best football that they've played all year. Iowa State just absolutely uh, – who they play last week again? They, do, they again, dominated um, – They West, smashed West Virginia. West Virginia, yeah. They only – what was it? Something like – 42 to 6. Yeah. So um, I really want to see that matchup. So I'm going to – I'm going to leave it and uh, give Lincoln Riley a chance to make what would be uh, – or Oklahoma their sixth straight Big 12. Sixth. Yeah, championship yep. appearance. So. All right. On that note, Taylor, <laughs> why don't we – uh... We got to make sure everyone go over to Horns 24-7, sign up for that uh, 60% off annual membership. We will be running this through uh, Wednesday, December 16th, I believe it is. Next Wednesday. 16th, yeah. Um, yeah, so it'll be running through uh, 1159 Eastern on the 16th. And uh, you definitely want to take advantage of the 60% off special. And also make sure you head on over to iTunes. Uh, if you like what you hear, give us a five-star uh, rating and a nice little review. We would appreciate that. But you know, you can also listen on Spotify. You can listen to the flagship podcast on Google Podcasts and on iTunes. So multitude of ways to tune into this. 
Hey, and thanks everybody so much for spending time with us right here on the flagship podcast. Um, for Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, everybody stay safe and keep the faith. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.